Thanks very much, Will. Well, uh, good morning. Uh, it is a great privilege uh, to open the Word of God with you this morning. We're going to look at Psalm 139 uh, that Gillian so clearly and helpfully read to us. Um, please do take time later to, to read it again. Psalm 139, if you have a Bible, please do open it in front of you. It is a great privilege this morning, isn't it? And we have been introduced to Hope and to Noah Lilly, to Samuel, to Oliver, to Joel, Ella, and to Hannah. And what it is, it is an absolute delight as a church family to welcome them and to pray for them and their parents this morning. Thankfully, it's much more of a civil occasion than when they were first introduced to their parents. I speak from experience. You can swap delivery stories after coffee, uh, after the service over coffee, but please keep me out of them. I do not want to uh, go back to that trauma ever again. Uh, but that was a momentous moment, wasn't it? When, when you were introduced to this little baby, who was previously just a, a positive test on a, a stick, and then a heartbeat, and then a sort of alien-like picture on a scan, and then a human bowling ball kicking your stomach. And then you're introduced to this little human being, 10 little fingers, 10 little toes, and you say, welcome to the world. What an introduction. But you know, for the Lord, no such introductions were necessary. I don't know if he used the names, Hope, Noah, Lily, Samuel, Oliver, Joel, Ella, and Hannah, but I know the Lord knew them entirely before ever you got a blue cross or a double line on your testic. In fact, by that stage, he was probably already weeks into the project because as David has reminded us in this psalm, he has been hands-on taking the cell from daddy, the cell from mummy to create these seven tiny little persons from the color of their eyes right through to the makeup of their eternal soul, they have been crafted by and so thoroughly known to the Lord before ever they were introduced to you or introduced to us this morning. In fact, David says in Psalm 139 that for those nine months in the darkness of the womb, please forgive him, he didn't have access to ultrasonic scans, so he calls it the depths of the earth, but in the darkness and the secrecy of the womb, God has been intimately involved in weaving together these tiny little spiritual and physical eternal purposes, persons with a purpose. And what David is saying in this psalm is that that stands as an illustration to all of us at just how extensive, how exhaustive, how limitless the Lord's knowledge of us is. What started in the womb continued every step and continues every moment of our lives. We are known by the Lord Almighty. That's pretty wild. That's pretty incredible. Psalm 139, as we've heard it read, it is quite complex. It's part meditation, part thanksgiving, part confession, part prayer. And the occasion for David authoring this originally seems to be when he has suffered some sort of false accusations. 
And so it gives sense to those opening verses that we read. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I rise and when I sit down. You discern my thoughts from afar. Lord, you know what's going on. You know the truth of the matter. You know me. And he concludes in the final two verses. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And so the knowing of God is mentioned seven times in this poem. The key consistent theme. And you can feel feel it building up line upon line, particularly in the first 12 verses. The Lord knows our every move, our sitting, our rising, our going out, our lying down. You are aware of everything I do. His knowledge is beyond extensive. It's comprehensive. It's exhaustive. It's even beyond our capacity to understand how much he knows of us, David says. And he goes on in verse 7, it's inescapable. Whether we travel as far up into the heavens as we can go or to the depths of the earth, from the extremities of the east where the sun rises to the extremities of the west across the ocean horizon, even in the darkest, bleakest corner, it is never too far, it is never too dark for the Lord to see us clearly. There is nowhere, God is not God, nowhere we can be where he does not comprehensively know us, just like he did back in the darkness of our mother's womb. So as it is for Hope, Noah, Lily, Samuel, Oliver, Joel, Ella, and Hannah, so it is for you. He knew you from the womb. He knows you better than you know yourself. And so David reflects Do you know how hard it is to fathom the thoughts that God has had for these little children? You can't do it. You can't fathom in your capacity the number of thoughts that he has had for these children. I remember when Susie was first pregnant. You know, and I come home from a real hard day at work. They're all hard, aren't they? And she'd say, do you ever wonder what he's going to be like? And I would try and hide this empty, vacant look which made me look even more empty and vacant. We'll see. But it's not like that with the Lord. His thoughts off and for these children are vast. He has formed their inward parts. He's knit them together. Their frame was his concern when they were still a secret to you. And verse 16 When the Lord had his eye on them inside the womb, David says their days were planned and purposed ahead of time. Far from an unstructured game of chance, God has a life plan recorded before they ever came into this world. That are the little persons that we have been introduced to this morning. And this psalm is written to teach you that the same is true for you. How vast is the sum total of all the thoughts that God has had of you? If you tried to count them down, David, to count them, David says, it would outnumber the grains of sand on the shore. He has thought more about you than you have thought about you. A thought I would have previously thought impossible. But the Lord knew you from the womb. He knows you better than you know yourself. 
How thorough and how precious is the Lord's knowing of us. So as I reflected on this psalm, I wanted to leave you with three reflections. Firstly, to the parents. Firstly, we are not the sole contributor to our children's pathway. It's been so good to hear about the different names that these children have been given. Just like in the creation story, after God formed the animals, he invited Adam to contribute in giving names. And and babies don't come with a name tag, nor any sort of instruction manual, actually. Um, And we get to start off by giving them a name. And, and, And to me, that seems like a small demonstration of this role that we have, where we have a responsibility for shaping their lives, their personalities, and their pathways, which, of course, is a huge topic for us to consider when we have some more time. But it is not the case, it is not the case that God's role was just the womb stage. As if he now kind of steps back and says, well, I've put them together, now let's see how you get on with it. Now, what he has done for them in the womb is an illustration of what he does for them in life. That's just the first step in a lifetime of care and knowledge. There is nowhere they can go that he is not already there. There is no step or misstep that is outside of his sovereignty. There isn't a dark corner that they can get them into, themselves into that his light cannot brighten. He still thoroughly knows each one of your children. He continues to know and love them and care for them in a way that's so awesome for us that we can't even comprehend it. Despite loving them with a mother's and a father's love, his love for them is greater still. How precious is that to remember when parenting is hard? Parenting is hard. I can set my clock by the four o'clock text saying, book the vasectomy now, because the kids have been so much hard work today. But we are not the sole contributor in our children's pathway. Our sole responsibility is to be loyal to the Lord, to pray, to trust in him, to commit them to him, for he knows them even before we were ever introduced to them. Secondly, to the Crescent Church family, a second reflection, as we reflect on verse number 13, which many of us are familiar with, David says, you formed my inward parts. You formed my inward parts. I want us to think not so much of the incredible biological system that goes on in the womb, but think of that spiritual dimension of these little lives that God has put into them from the womb. All the potential, eternal impact that can come through lives of godliness and faithfulness to the gospel. The Lord started with 12. Here this morning we have seven. And he continues to change lives across the globe through disciples making disciples. So as a parent, and on behalf of the parents, I plead with you, please help us train our children to become disciple-making disciples. Pray, role model, encourage that the inward parts, the God-giving 
heart and mind and soul of these little people may be poured out for the Lord and for his glory as they grow. Thirdly and finally as I close, if we return to the big idea of this psalm as we close, that we are known by the Lord. There's maybe nothing we long for more than being fully and completely known. Would you agree with that? We love to receive gifts, don't we, that are exactly what we wanted whenever we haven't had to ask for them. Wow, you know me so well. Those golf clubs I wanted for my birthday next week, that's exactly what I wanted. There's nothing more we long for than a friendship or a relationship in which we are fully and completely known. And yet, perhaps, there's nothing more we fear than being completely and fully known. We have that horrible feeling that, that deep down, when someone really gets to know us, they might not want us. They might not love what they find. The vulnerability that comes from being fully and completely known is often too much for us, too much of a risk. And as I've read through this psalm this week, perhaps one of the reasons why it's so complex, and I find it emotionally perplexing, is because the one who knows us fully and completely, verse number one, the one who examines and scrutinizes us throughout this psalm is also the one who protects and saves us. The one who knows us, the one who examines and scrutinizes us is also the one who protects and saves. Because when I consider being fully known and scrutinized by God, I can feel a fairly healthy level of uncertainness. There's a lot to know which isn't very good. But that's not the prevailing emotion modeled in this poem. David has so much comfort, so much confidence in God as his protector, his vindicator, his savior. He welcomes God's knowledge and scrutiny. The one who knows him is the one who examines him, is the one who rescues him. And this, in fact, is the heart of the Christian gospel. And this morning, this psalm teaches us how to relate to God. That's why the psalms are so helpful for us. They teach us how to relate to God. They give us actual words to say. And perhaps you're here this morning and you're a guest and we're so glad to see you. But you wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian. You're not quite sure how to relate to God. What's your relationship with God? Well, read this psalm for yourself. You are known by God, as we would say, warts and all. He formed you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He gave you your life, your personhood. He knows the good, the joys, the blessings. And he also knows the darkness you feel. He knows the disappointments you feel. He knows the disappointments you've caused to your nearest and dearest. He knows your selfish desires that can bubble out with temper or pride or dissatisfaction and frictions. God knows it all. And yet he thoroughly loves you and wants you. And at the heart of the Christian faith stands the cross of Christ 
where we see God himself knowing the extent of our darkness, our rebellion, and examining and scrutinizing the damage, the hurt, and the consequences, he himself takes our place in the dark. Under scrutiny, he takes the sentence of death upon himself so that we don't have to. As Paul will say in the New Testament, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us so that we in him might become the righteousness of God. So we can stand with confidence, if you like, before God's penetrating knowledge, and we can know he is for us. We can know that we have a right relationship with him because he is the one, yes, who knows us, yes, who examines us, but also he is the one who has provided rescue and salvation through the cross. So as we close, perhaps if you wouldn't, yet call yourself a Christian, you can use the words of this psalm. I want to close by using the final two verses as a prayer and then hand back over to Will for our final hymn. Perhaps you might want to use these words. Examine me, O God, and probe my thoughts. You are my creator, and I am sorry for my sin against you. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any idolatrous way in me. Lead me to the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you have made a way for us to stand in righteousness before you. Help me to follow Jesus and follow the way everlasting which leads to life. Amen.